Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, all about movies. And today, my guest is fashion, film and fashion historian, Kimberly Truler. And I am so excited to talk to you about your upcoming book or your book and all of the wonderful, exciting things you have. And who doesn't like to talk about fashion, especially in film? So welcome to the show. It's good to have you you. here, Kimberly. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you again. We met at the uh, closing night party at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival and had a lovely discussion and, and talked then about having you on the show. So it's nice to have you finally on the show. It's nice to be here. And that was such a lovely night. And it was a pleasure to meet you there. Oh, it was a pleasure meeting you. And it was a lovely night. It really was. It was just a special evening. The whole film festival was wonderful. It's good to be, it was good to be back for sure. For sure. That seems to be the refrain. Everybody was just happy to be back there. And it's a community that's unlike any other. It's, it's much more like a family than it is just a bunch of film fans. So many of us have gotten to know one another quite well over the years. And so many of my film family have supported me over the years. So I just adore them all. You know, you're right. You're 100% right. It's completely different than any other film festival you will ever, ever, ever attend. And I met a lot of people this year where it was their first one. And, you know, they were super excited. Uh, there were there were quite a few. And, and then there's many who've been coming to every single one from the beginning. So yes. it's, it's always fascinating. <laughs> but it is like old home week. You bump into all your old friends. And it's just, a, it's a fun, fun, fun film festival. For all of you who are listening to this show, if you get the opportunity, it's usually held in April. And Hollywood, and it is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film festival. So seek it out next year and and get your uh, passes early because they sell out quickly. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little plug for Turner Classic Movies. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Yeah. Well, as long as we're on the Turner Classic Movie uh, discussion right now, let's talk about you are involved in this new film series that that Turner has on right right now called Follow the Thread, which is absolutely fascinating. Let's talk. a bit about that and how, and about your segment and how you've been involved with Turner Classic Movies. Goodness. Well, there's a lot of questions in that one question. <laughs> yes. So first, follow the thread. So follow the thread is uh, a series that they're doing every Saturday night in June and July. And I've heard rumblings that it's been so popular, they may even extend it into August. Wow, good. And good. so host Alicia Malone, she has guests on every Saturday night, you know, ranging from Bob Mackie, there's other like many fashion designers and costume designers, and they discuss influential costume design, whether it's how it's impacted them personally, or how they've seen it influence fashion or popular culture, even. It's a subject that I'm passionate about. And I was just fortunate, they've known me for so long. So they brought me in to be one of the special guests featured in their interstitials. There's mini documentaries. Um, So they're showing them on air, but they're also now available on HBO Max. There's an enormous section of the TCM hub on HBO Max where you can see this special content along with 72 additional films. Um, So they've they've really (laughs) 
taken a deep dive into this to celebrate the impact of costume design and film. And so I'm featured in the ones called The Stars and Their Designers, and then also the one that's called Dress to Kill, which is on the costume design and the crime genre. That leads us to your book. <laughs> A good segue. It all connects somehow. <laughs> good <Yes>. segue, <laughs> Kimberly. Very good segue. Well, first of all, before we even get into that, I am so so excited that Turner and is is showing more of their these. Uh, th- well, not only their films on HBO Max, but the special series and other things, and that they're starting. Uh, my understanding, I don't know if they have yet, that they're going to be doing the intros as well on HBO Max, and so that's great for those of us who have HBO Max and like to watch it on that channel. I think the the relationship between uh, Warner Brothers, who uh, you know runs HBO Max, I think the relationship between them and Turner Classic Movies has been evolving. And I think the, you know the appreciation for what Turner Classic Movies does and what it means to so many people. Um, they've seen that over the years, and so yes, I think that they're putting much more that contextual content, which is so, it is part of the reason that people love Turner Classic Movies, that they're not just slapping these films on air without any rhyme or reason, um, that the programming itself puts it in context, but then the hosts, of course, delve into the the history and the backstories. And so, yes, having more of that kind of content on HBO Max, I think, only makes the experience of watching these films so much better. Oh, yes, definitely. And there's so many people that have cut the cord who are yes. who are not getting you know Turner Classic Movies the traditional way so um, this allows people who have done that to watch it on HBO Max which is wonderful it's all wonderful Absolutely. all right yeah so let's th- let's talk about your book entitled Film Noir Style the Killer 1940s right into yeah. what we were talking about <laughs> so let's uh, let's delve into your book how did this come about and why let's put it that way too because there's so much so right so I'm a a, a film historian, but I noticed that there was sort of a gap in the understanding and appreciation of costume design and costume designers. It was just sort of, you know, everybody talks about the actors and actresses and the directors and screenwriters and cinematographers, but where was the discussion of the costume designers? You know, a little bit, frankly, dismissive of their contributions, mm-hmm. and which was shocking, considering how many people gravitate to these movies for the first time because of the style of the movies and then also why so many of us return to them again and again because of the style and the movies. So I'm always, I I wanted to address that area and then I also saw it as a way to bring in some new, you know, viewers to classic film, um, which is an ongoing struggle. Um, You know, I mean, there's even a segment of the population who shockingly don't know who Marilyn Marilyn Monroe was. So it's what? Like- <laughs> Let's, let's start there. Um, so this, you know, I I was asked originally by the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising to do a three-day seminar connecting the dots between costume design and its impact on fashion. And then I was asked by Woodbury University, uh, which is the alma mater of um, William Travila, Billy Travila, who did the costume design for Marilyn Monroe, um, to teach a course on this. And then word got 
out and cultural institutions started calling me and asking me to do entire series there. So I started with the biggest series I do, which is the history of fashion and film from the 20s to the 80s, which I am reprising now online. I'll be doing the 1930s on July 17th online. Um, And so that's kind of how it began. And then I got the opportunity to publish a book. And I am so passionate about the 40s and 40s film noir that I thought it was, even though not chronologically right, um, that for me, it was just a great place to start just because I do have such a passion for the subject. Yeah. So have you talked about Eddie, to Eddie Muller about being on Noir Alley and talking about this? Um, I, I have chatted with him. I've known him since 2012. So we've, we've talked about it. So it's, it's a possibility down the road. <laughs> good, good. I love Eddie. Eddie's been on the show many, many times as, ah, as has all of them. Alicia, you know, Ben, uh, Dave and I do an annual Oscar show every year. So yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So perfect. They, they're all, they've all been on the show numerous times. So yeah, definitely. So that would be a great thing. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, the, film noir styles of the 1940s um you know tell us a little bit about what why this particular genre and and what does that mean you know how is it different how's the film noir the the costumes of film noir from the 1940s differ from perhaps a a non a non-film noir uh film costumes sure um, so I gravitated to it because I basically was raised with film noir in my household. My father was a police officer. And so one of his favorite things to do was come home in the middle of the night and put on, it, back then it was VCRs and VHS. But <laughs> 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 you would put on the Maltese Falcon or the Big Sleep. Um, and so even as a very young girl, the, it, not only was it my introduction to film noir, but film noir was my introduction to classic films for that matter. Um, And then my mother is a librarian. And so she always had Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, Kane, everybody, you know, everybody, we we were reading or watching something of film noir almost all the time. So film noir, I mean, Eddie likes to call it suffering with style, which is appropriate that I would do a book on on that very thing. Um, Yeah, it's a lot of times, I mean, there's some film noir that have a quasi happy ending, but most of the time, something not great is happening to the, the main character. Right. Exactly. For obvious reasons, I gravitated to more of the detective stories, though not all of them obviously are about a private investigator or something like that. Like Gilda has nothing to do with a private eye or a detective. So that was the start of it. And a lot of 40s film noir is defined by the decade itself. So a lot of the decade is the war years. And during the war, there was rationing on fabric, which a lot of people either don't know or forget. And so that's really what brought about the more austere silhouette that we see in 40s film. But it was particularly well suited to film noir, especially since many of these uh, were shot at studios like Warner Brothers or RKO, which didn't have the biggest budgets a lot of the time. And then just the subject matter itself didn't 
always demand over-the-top glamour. There's certainly glamour, again, to mention Gilda. There certainly are film noir that have that as part of it. But, you know, the women in the skirt suits, menswear, all of that is largely, you know, the pencil skirt. You cannot find a more economic design in clothing as far as the use of fabric than a pencil skirt. And so you see that throughout the decade. You know, everything was dictated. The hem length, the circumference of the, the design, everything about it. So that's that's a lot of where the style of the 1940s sort of emanates from. And the costume designers certainly had more resources than the average American woman did. You know, they had MGM and Paramount had multiple buildings that were storing fabric and old costumes that could be repurposed. I mean, they had everything that they needed, but that's not going to necessarily boost the morale of the country. It's like they also had to make adjustments to the costumes that they were putting on their characters because they had to be of that time. So you'll see movies like The Killers with a mix of, you know, a very glamorous gown, which is Ava Gardner's introduction costume, that iconic one-shouldered gown of hers. But she's also in a blouse and skirt and a sweater and skirt in it. So 1940s film noir often has the mix of the aspirational with the attainable, if you will. And my book is divided into four parts, before the war, during the war, 1946, which is this year of transition between closing down the war and getting back into normal life, and then the post-war years. And each of them had, uh, you know, different restrictions and different aspirations as far as fashion at the time. How did you get involved in this? What made you become a fashion historian? It's fascinating. I, I, I want to delve more into those four different parts of your book, too, but I'm just curious about how you got into this. Well, it's funny because if I work with the fashion industry, they call me a film historian. If I work with the film industry or TCM, they call me a fashion historian. And really, everything I know about fashion emanated out from film. Everything started there. My own style guidance started there. And anything that I learned about fashion or quite a bit of it came about because I studied the costume design and then that just took me down the path on how it was impacting fashion at the time. And I also did have a vintage boutique for a few years in that I was researching the pieces that I was acquiring for my own collection and then also just bearing witness to seeing pieces from the 20s and the 30s and the 40s where it was so obvious to me, those are influenced by the costume design that I know so well. And then because I, you know, voraciously read all the fashion magazines today, I could see those references coming up again. And so that's where it kind of started. I created this list I call the style essentials, which are 50 films with iconic costume design that impacted fashion at the time they premiered. And they're the ones that are continuing to influence fashion today the most. Now, there's a B list, to be sure. There are many, many, many more. But I wanted to show the ones that were sort of the big ones that people absolutely should know. And so that's the basis of the the series that I'm doing now. So again, pretty much anything I know about fashion. And there are so many fashion designers that have designed 
design for film in the early days, that's where they were getting the costume designers from, from European couturiers. And then we have people like Yves Saint Laurent and Pierre Belmont and Givenchy, of course. So there is such an intersection of costume design and fashion that you can't really it's people do. I've seen schools silo the information, but they really should not be understood that way. There is an intersection and a cross influence on both costume design and, and fashion. You know, it's fascinating. I'm going to divert, <laughs> digress for a moment. Bob Mackey, who's on Follow the Thread, uh, he's one of the guests on it, was the person that had done the sketch for yes. Marilyn Monroe's famous iconic dress that she wore to sing Happy Birthday to President Kennedy. That was right. just recently worn by Kim Kardashian, which that's a whole other story, which I just felt was disrespectful to the dress. And now we're hearing, and there's been pictures to prove it, that the dress was damaged by her wearing it. It should have never been taken out of the museum as far as I'm concerned. And I know Bob Mackey had very, very, very strong feelings about this dress. It's an iconic dress that it would be like somebody taking one of the First Lady's inaugural gowns, Jackie Kennedy's inaugural gown and deciding, oh, we're going to take it out of the Smithsonian and we're going to wear it for how much money or to bring publicity. I just, I was appalled by that. And I know we're off the track a little bit, but a little, it's on the track to Kimberly. What are your thoughts about that? Anyone who follows me online knows that I immediately put out a statement against that. I mean, for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, I don't care how careful you think you're being with an archival gown. I mean, any of the gowns that I've helped authenticate, you're wearing white gloves the entire time. And just even the the coverage in the room to make sure that, you know, as little dust gets on them. I mean, the, the level of protection of these is is usually very, very intense. Um, so body lotion, makeup, self-tanner, perfume, like any of it. It's just it's just wrong. I don't I don't care. I don't care what you say about how careful you are. As soon as you're stepping into that thing, you've immediately caused damage. So you can debate whether the strains on the zipper which we've all seen now or the rhinestones or the threads coming off and who does that even if that was there before shouldn't that be a red flag that you shouldn't be yes yes Um, yes I I mean I'm laughing about it now just because it's just so ridiculous and I think those who don't care or don't think it's such a big deal thankfully only got a few people pushed back against what I said and it, it falls into to the it's just clothes category, which is what I've been up against all these years about trying to be an advocate for the importance of costume design. It's just clothes. Why does it really matter? And is it really an art form that, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing? Um, yeah, of course, it's ridiculous. And some of it is that Ripley's is not an accredited museum. So accredited museums have their own standards that they're supposed to adhere to. So they squeak around that. Same with Heritage Auctions, which loaned her the other Marilyn Monroe dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to the Golden Globes. So she wore not 
one, but two oh. actual gowns. Oh, yes. No, I did oh, not yes. know about that Oh, yeah, one. that was her after-party dress. So, yeah, the story got worse. Well, <laughs> Every day was like, a, I was afraid to look at social media, like, what am I going to learn today? So, yes, to be quite clear, I'm strongly against that. It should never be done. I don't care what the entity is. They should have known better. You can just even see the ridiculousness of the promotion that they've got now. They're not promoting it as uh, at Ripley's. They're not promoting it as Marilyn Monroe's gown. The the big the big type above the picture of the dress promoting it is this is the dress that Kim Kardashian wore to the Met Gala. So she's now superseded the original wearer. She's completely messed up the provenance of the dress because that dress should be it ends with the last wearer of the dress. So that's now ruined. I mean, people just yeah, it's mm. it's frustrating. The only positives I can take away from this is that it seems like the world has gotten an education on the significance of certain pieces of of costume design that they are as culturally significant as a great painting, for example. Just so much wrong in that story. Oh, there is, there is, there is. And you know, and that dress was sewn on Marilyn's body, basically. No, <laughs> not basically. It, it, was it was literally sewn on her. So, yes. Yes. And Kim Kardashian does not have the same body as Marilyn Monroe. None of us have the same bodies. I don't care what you do to diet or whatever. That's right. The body types are different. None of us are. There's no two people who have the same body type. It just appalled me. It continues to appall me. And now that I'm hearing that she wore a second Marilyn dress, it even <laughs> appalls me even more. Ah, for yeah. those of us who love Marilyn Monroe... <laughs> You know, we all have that, um, you know, that part of our image of ourselves and part, you know, whatever that psyche, a little bit of that Marilyn Monroe psyche is there for many, many of us. And yeah, I just saw a wonderful documentary about her. But anyhow, so. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, she said that she did it because she loves her, that she's doing tribute to her. Of course, it's completely disrespectful what she did. And she could have absolutely had, and she did have a replica made. Yes, she she did. She could have just said this was done to the detail of the original one. Here's the story behind the original one. Promote where the original one was. Yep. She still would have looked that exact same way on the Met Gala red carpet. The story still would have been there and yet, no. No. I agree with you so much. I did not know we would get into this topic, but it's timely. It's very timely. It is timely. And I mean, it shows, I mean, again, one of the silver linings was I had a huge example of the importance of costume design. I mean, it was designed, Bob Mackie did indeed do the sketch. He was working with costume designer Jean-Louis and Jean-Louis did the costumes for Rita Hayworth and Gilda and Mm -hmm. and many, many others. And so I think it did educate a lot of people. I mean, the cost is pretty high for that education. But I do think other institutions, is is too respectful a word, but other institutions may check themselves before doing this again just for the blowback that they they might get. I hope so. Let's hope so that they definitely do. Kimberly, oh my God, we could talk about so many things. By the way, I just want to tell you on the cover of your book, you have a picture of the beautiful, stunning, amazing Arita Hayworth. And I looked at the shoes. 
Ava Gardner. Oh, is it Ava Gardner? Oh no, I Ava thought Ava Gardner. I... Yes, from the Killers. Oh, what? Oh, maybe I looked at something else. Did you have another <laughs> something else with Rita Hayworth on the cover? There's Ava. Okay, the that's the one. All right, then I apologize. <laughs> okay, don't have my glasses on, but I did notice the shoes, and I have those exact same shoes. There you go. Now, what color are they in? I have red. <laughs> They're not red. Mine are red. And I looked at them and I said, oh my God. And my shoes are like 25 years old or whatever. I've had them forever. But I noticed, I said, oh my God, those are my shoes. Anyhow, where can people find the book? You have online classes. Where can people find you? I mean, it's fascinating. Anybody who loves film, anybody who loves fashion, you are the go-to person for that. And we want people to, you know, you've got a wealth of information. We'll have to have you back on the show. We'll talk about many more things. But where can people find you and find your book? So my home online is glamamore.com, G-L-A-M-A-M-O-R. So everything can be found there. You can sign up for events there. I'm also Glamamore on every single social media platform there is. So if you choose to follow me, that's me. And the book, the book is available everywhere. Amazon, local booksellers. The only signed copies are found at the historic Larry Edmonds bookshop in Hollywood. And Larry Edmonds is is a presence at the TCM Classic Film Festival. Jeff Mantor runs that wonderful shop. So if people want uh you know a signed copy that's that's where you can get it and they now have a website which i actually designed and built for them. Oh, wonderful <laughs> wonderful wonderful well kimberly such a joy to have you on the show i'll definitely have you back and uh and, and before before the next turner classic movie film festival so but i look forward to seeing you next year for sure, for sure. thank you so much for having me what a pleasure you're so welcome it really was if you've missed any of the jam prize shows all about movies you can go to my website thejamprizeshow.com where all the shows are archived or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, the iHeart Podcast na- uh, Network, Apple, Google, you name it, YouTube. Go to our YouTube station uh, uh, channel and like and subscribe. We're on every single podcast network I think that's out there so you can find us everywhere and follow us at The Jam Price Show on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you all for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.